Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. This message is from John Padilla as he speaks to us on the topic of faith. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers and what we're all about, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. Um, so today's message is a message that God's been stirring in me the past, give or take, four months. And it is probably one of the most overused verses in the Bible. You know, these are one of these verses that I heard of before I even gave my life to Jesus. Like, before I even came to church. I've never even went to church and I heard this message. I got this concept. But the Lord has, over just the past several months, began to speak to me about this simple verse. And began to just, like, highlight it to me and began to give me revelation of what it really means. So while today's message may not be polished in the way that I would like it to be polished or all the bullet points that I would like to have, the heart's there. And it's, it's what God is currently doing in me. And, and when, when you get to be a preacher, a lot of times when what God is doing in you is what God is speaking to the people that you're serving. And it's weird. And, and Billy preaches that way. Casey, Casey doesn't really preach that way. Casey's more prepared. He has like the whole year laid out. Jamie Boy used to preach that way. It's just kind of like your preaching style. It's like, this is what God is currently speaking to me. And this message is not necessarily because it's a new year. It's really what God is like. He's, he's telling me, son, this is the verse when I'm driving. How, how many of you guys, God speaks to you so much when you drive? Is it just me? Raise your hand if it's that way. God, I don't know what it is. God just begins to give me downloads when I drive. And he begins to speak to me about the scripts. And he begins to just hear what he's saying. And I I really get to hear what he's saying when I'm driving in moments of silence, in moments of stillness. I I really get to hear what God's saying. All right. So the scripture is going to be Matthew 17, 20. If you have your Bible, open up to that. If you don't have your Bible, open up the Bible app. If you don't have it, download it. You need it. Title of the message is called Faith That Moves Mountains. It's faith that moves mountains. What does that mean? So faith. This concept of faith is so, like, overused. We we know about this concept, this word, even before we give our life to Jesus. You hear, bro, just have faith. Oh, man, I just got cut off the soccer team. Just have faith, bro. You go next year, and you understand what it means. The concept of faith, the faith, the word, I had understood several times before I even got saved. So let's read the scripture. You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, even if you even had faith as small as a mustard seed, You could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. How many of you guys are familiar with that verse? Again, like everyone knows this verse. So simple. You you understand it, but sometimes we read it and we kind of just glance past it. We're like, oh, you know, yeah. Jesus just said, if you have a small faith, you'll be able to move a mountain. How many of you guys have ever seen a mountain move, like physically? Has that ever happened? 
Jesus said a bizarre statement here. He said something so abnormal that it was like, like, what are you saying, Jesus? What, what, what are you saying? Like, we get your God, but move a mountain? That's never been done ever. And you're saying, you're not just saying that you can do that. You're saying if I have a small amount of faith, I will be able to do that. What does that mean? I want to just take a quick moment to define what faith means. According to the Webster Dictionary. So the first definition, strong belief or trust in someone or something. So you could have, I can have faith in David. Like, David, I believe in you, bro. You know, like I, like, and that's true. That If we apply that definition, I do have faith in David. Second definition, belief in the existing God. Strong religious feelings or beliefs. That's the second definition of Webster. So someone could have belief, faith in Allah. Someone could have faith in Buddha. Someone could have faith in one of the thousand Hindu gods. Who do we have faith in? We have faith in the living person of Jesus. That's, that's where our faith is found. Now, it's important to understand that I could have faith without Jesus. Right? Can everyone acknowledge that? I could have faith in something that won't, won't necessarily get me anywhere. But our faith is ultimately found in the person of Jesus. We have faith in who he is. We have faith that he, what he had written in the four accounting of the gospels is true. We have faith that what he said is the written word of God, that it stands true, that even when it don't make sense, even Jesus, when you said that bizarre statement that I'll be able to move mountains, that is true. So even when he said that, I'm like, okay, that don't make sense to me, but I believe it. But it's okay to question. It's totally fine to question. Question is called dialogue. I'm dialoguing with the Lord. When a question comes up, I'm dialoguing with the Lord. Lord, what does that mean? I'll be able to move a mountain. We have faith that he claimed to be Yahweh. He claimed to be God. That Jesus wasn't just the son of God, but he actually claimed to be, jo- to be God himself. So it's important that he's not just some deity, some son of a God, that he's actually God himself, and he claimed to be it. He claimed to be God himself. In John 8, 24, he said, I am, which is the same scripture that he used in Exodus. He said, you know, you guys, you Pharisees, I am. And the Pharisees at that point, they knew exactly what he was saying. He had claimed to be the living God, the living Yahweh of the Old Testament. That is the person we have faith in. He claimed to have authority to forgive sins. So when we unfortunately fall lesser than of the grace of God, Jesus, the Son of God, has the authority to forgive sins. Now that in no means means that I have license to go drink every night and get drunk or go sleep around. But that means if I were to fall short and if I were just to slip out of my mouth and say a, a cuss word or lie or do something like that, not that I'm, I'm allowing myself to do that, there is, he has the ability to forgive sins. Jesus, the son of God, has the ability to forgive sins. And I go before him and I say, Jesus, forgive me 
Lord, I'm wicked. Jesus in Matthew 28, 18, claimed to have the authority over heaven and earth. What does that mean? Jesus had claimed to have domain over everything. Before he had even conquered everything, Jesus said, I already have domain over heaven and on earth. And the list goes on. I just want to give us a couple different things that Jesus claimed to be. And this is important unto kind of what, what we're trying to transition to. So the topic of this message is faith to move mountains. Let's go back to Matthew 17 when he says, if you have just a mustard seed of faith, you'll be able to move mountains. What does that mean? Seriously, what, like, what does that mean? Because that scripture is so overused, but it's so wild. The concept of that scripture is so wild. Jesus claimed, if I were to have just little faith, a mountain were to go from right here to right there. Who's been to Colorado? Those mountains are huge. Jesus claimed if you, if you just have small faith, you'll be able to move the mountains from Colorado to Jacksonville, Florida. Think about that. That's what the scripture says. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that a dream that he's given you, he's given you a dream to start a business, to be a ministry, to be a pastor, to be a missionary, to do the impossible, to do the impossible. Think about that. Moving a mountain is a concept that's impossible. It's never been done before. He's saying, I'm going to take you where you've never been. And I'm going to take you where your friends have never been. And I'm going to take you where you can't even imagine if you just have a little amount of faith. So that dream that you have to be a nurse, that dream that you have to be a teacher, that dream that you have to be up here preaching one day, that dream that you have to have your own church, that dream that you have to be a business owner, that dream that you have to have a house, that dream that you have to have to be married, hallelujah, that dream that you have to have kids, Jesus planted that in you. It's important to understand that Jesus, God, plants dreams in our hearts. He's a good father. He doesn't just want us to, to work, 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 serve my kingdom, expand, 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 expand. Jesus actually implements God's dreams in some of you. So to have dreams is not a wrong thing. The concept when Jesus is saying, you're going to move a mountain with little faith, is that, Wesley, you're going to do the impossible. Lydia, you're going to be the places you've never been. Peter, that dream that's so foolish and other people's, what other people are saying, they're saying you won't do it, you're going to do it with just little faith. That's what the living God is saying with this scripture. Don't kill that dream. Please, please do not kill that dream. Don't think that's foolish. Even if your parents say it, don't kill that dream. Please do not kill that dream. God has just been hammering this in me. And I, I'm living testimony of that. If you knew me three and a half years ago when I freshly came I saved to the Lord, there's no way. I'm shocked that I'm even here right now. I'm, I'm preaching. I should be back there. I should be, I don't know, like 
Not this. Seriously. Not this. Especially the mistakes that I've made in ministry. I've made some serious mistakes. Some mistakes that like, yeah, you really shouldn't be up there, John. Like, seriously. But Jesus, again, is the God of the impossible. Jesus is the God of the impossible. So heading into 2022, and I hate that this is the timing on this is off because I really don't think it's a New Year's thing. This is something that the Lord has been speaking to me. But so maybe it's prophetic. Maybe the Lord made it where I deliver this message right now. Maybe some of you guys really do need to hear it because discouragement is really high right now in some of y'all's lives. And that dream that the Lord's given to you, that mountain that he said you're going to move, you're like, man, maybe, maybe I didn't hear from God. Maybe it was just my imagination. Maybe I was foolish. Maybe my mom was right. <laughs> there are dreams that we're to step into next year. Individually, I believe from the Lord that each one of y'all have a purpose, that there's something good planned for your life, that you have purpose, that you're not just a random body in here, that you're in this room for a reason, that Jesus rescued you from the fire because there's a purpose for your life. He wants to use you, and he doesn't want to use you in a way where you're just working, following a set of rules, and your heart's dull. But God has a purpose for your life, and he's going to take you to a place where your heart is alive. You, you want to know what brings me alive? Excitement, adventure, new things. And God's so good to me where he brings me to new things. And I see new people and new places and new food and new things. It just excites me. And I'm like, God, you're so good. You don't need to give that to me, but you're just so good. You give that to me. God, next year, he has a dream for your life. There's a mountain that he wants to move. For y'all, single ladies and single boys, and I include myself in there, God, he wants to bring your wife and your husband. Hallelujah. That's, that's a godly desire. He wants to bring that. Come on now. You ladies that desire to have kids, that's godly. That is so godly. Please don't kill that, and please don't settle for less. Don't, don't settle for some bummy dude. Guys, don't settle for no bummy girl. There's a godly girl out there for you. Don't settle for that job that you're, you're stuck working and you're like, man, I don't need, I don't need to work here. Man, I, these past two weeks, I've been doing this taxes job. I'm a CPA. And it, 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 it's horrible. I, I love it. I'm skilled at it. But I'm at the desk and I'm like, man, thank God I don't do this 100% of the time. Not because it's bad. You know, I enjoy it in moments. It's because I, I know what I'm called to. I'm called to ministry. I'm called to minister to people. I'm called to love on people and be invested in several people's lives. Point one. Okay, hallelujah. 
Write this down. Point one is God is the God of the impossible. Write it down. If you have a notepad, write that down. God is the God of the impossible. He is the God that gives you a dream that's impossible. He is the God that says you're going to be a teacher even though you you had D's in school. You're going to be a teacher one day, son. You're going to be a teacher one day. He is the God that even though you didn't get that scholarship, you're going to go be a lawyer, son. Come on. He is the God that even though you have generational curses with family and your family's broken, he's saying, daughter, you're going to have a family one day and it's going to be lovely and it's going to be godly. He is the God of the impossible. When God gives a dream, it's often not a reality. It's not realistic, at least for me. God's given me some crazy dreams. And it's not talking about dreams when you sleep. Talking about dreams when, like, you see yourself. And I remember being at four in in our old location and being like, man, just thinking of myself and God in that moment planted a dream inside me. Wouldn't it be cool to work with Casey one day? (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool? You know, and I didn't realize in that moment it was a dream. But it was just a kind of a cool thought that came in my mind. God in that moment planted the dream in me and said, son, four years from now you're going to be doing that. When God gives you a dream, it's often not reality. The dream seems too big. It seems not realistic. It seems beyond our skill level. We say that that other person should be doing that thing. That other person has faith to move that mountain. I don't. Those are the lies that we tell ourselves. When God gives you a mountain, he says, you're going to move it. It seems impossible. But we worship and we serve the God that gives impossible dreams. Because he wants the glory. I did not get up here because I'm skilled. I'm not sharing this because I have any talent or skill level in doing this. God is the God of the impossible. I tell some of my homeboys now what I do. They don't even believe me. They said, John, you were just stealing cars four years ago. What? What are you talking about? God is the God of the impossible. I want to go to another scripture, Matthew 14. There are two scriptures I want to bounce off of, Matthew 14 and Matthew 17. It's Matthew 14, verses 24 to 33. And the concept is the same. It's Matthew 14, 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on water. They were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Who's ever seen someone walk in water? It's impossible. It's never been done before besides the person of Jesus and Peter. It's never been done. They cried out because it was a ghost. They're like, what? We've never seen this happen. What? This dude is walking on water. It's never happened before. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. 
Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat. He hopped out the boat and walked on water. Think about that. person like me and you walking on water. We walk on floor, on flatland. Have you tried walking on water? It doesn't work for me. I just, I walk in and I just, it doesn't happen. I wish, it just doesn't happen. The concept is that Jesus is inviting us into something that's impossible. It's never been done before. But when he saw the strong winds and waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. So think about that. Peter walked on water for a moment. He was staring at Jesus. Then clouds came, started to sink. Did the impossible for a moment. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped them. You really are the son of God, they explained. Peter had walked on moment for a minute. He had taken a couple steps on water. He had done the impossible. He was staring at Jesus. That could be us. Okay, John, I get it. Like, come on, you spent 35 minutes telling me we're supposed to do the impossible. Jesus invites us to the impossible so that he's glorified. And we're not. He invites us to that God-sized dream. Because when your homeboys see it, they know it's not you. They know your skill level. And then when, you, when they ask you, how did you come up? God, literally. How did you get to this place? How do you got a business now? That's crazy. How does your business make $1.7 a year? God did. Because I dropped out of school. You could tell them that, not me. But you could tell them that. Like, that's crazy. (laughs) How are you a lawyer now? You had D's. I was in class with you. You had D's, bro. You were cheating off me. (laughs) God did it. I had little faith. I had just a mustard seed of faith. When the winds came and when the storm came, I persisted and I was consistent and I was faithful and God increased. When I'm faithful little, he's faithful with much. That's my next point. It's just coming out of me. Hold on. We don't walk in dreams that we're capable of. We walk in dreams that we're not capable of. God wants to be glorified. No one should look at you If you're following a God-sized dream and say, Calvin did that. God did that. God did that in Calvin. No one should look at me and be like, John, because he's whatever, 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 did that. No, God did it. Because we know who that person used to be, and we know where they're at now. Only God could have brought them that far. Only God could have moved that mountain. Only God could have called them out of the boat. Only God, when they were sinking and the storms came, brought them out and rescued them. Only God can do that. Point two. So point one was what? God is the God of the impossible. He gives impossible dreams. 
Point two, when the storms come, emphasis on when the storms come, because they will, stay faithful. 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 I'm full of faith. Huh. Everything is exciting when it's new. Every idea is exciting. Every business idea, every ministry, every opportunity, every door is exciting when it's new. Unfortunately and fortunately, we live in a generation where everyone's an entrepreneur. Praise God. But also not praise God. Because it's like, didn't you just do something 12 months ago? You know, like, like what's going on here? Like, you're switching things every four days. What is that? That you just wanted to be an astronaut last week. Like, what's, now you're, what? It's because everything's exciting when it's new. And I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying, coming to you in a way where it's like, I know more. I'm, please, do not take that way. I'm, I hope y'all are not taking my heart that way. But I'm coming to you as a fellow Gen Z or as a fellow young person, as a fellow brother. Stick to one thing. Stick to the dream that God's given you and do that thing and do it faithfully. Do it faithfully. That business idea is exciting when it's new. That ministry idea, that door, that opportunity, every opportunity is exciting when it's new. Even losing the weight, it's exciting. It's like, man, I'm about to lose 60 pounds. I'm about to look sweet. And then, like, you, you hit the gym four days, and you're like, all right, let me get some McDonald's. Like, come on. Like, everything's exciting when it's new. You're like, yo, I'm about to save $4,000. And you're like, no, I need those shoes. You really don't. But, like, come on. Where am I at? Oh, this is, like, the worst. This is the worst thing. Okay, here I am. So, let's say, for instance, not for instance, the Lord is calling you to dream. Because I believe there's a purpose for your life. But maybe you just don't know it yet. For those of you that have some idea, I'm talking directly to you. Some of you that are like, man, bet, I'm going to be a wife one day. Some of you are like, bet, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a better preacher than John. Please come. We'll, we'll anoint you right now. <laughs> I'm talking directly to you. Some of you guys have an idea what you want to do. You want to stay faithful to that thing. When the storms come, because they will, when you're taking a couple steps, like Peter did, Matthew 14, and then the storms come, keep looking at Jesus. What happened to Peter? He looked at the storms. He looked at the situation. He looked at the lack of skill. He looked at the lack of character. He looked at the lack of finances. He looked at, man, no one believes on me. He looked at, man, I'm lonely out here. No one's supporting me. You know, he looked at all those different things. And he was like, you know what? Forget that thing. Forget walking on water. Forget taking these extra like steps to go see Jesus. Think about it. He was over there. He could have walked good bit to go see Jesus. Who knows where he was at? Maybe he was across the lake. He could have really jogged 
on water. Now this will be a different sermon. When the storm comes, look at Jesus. Jesus had promised you that you're going to move a mountain. He had promised you that dream. That dream that he's given you is a God dream. Stay faithful, beloved. Please stay faithful. When the storm comes, when the bad situation comes, because it will, and I love you, and I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to tell you that it's all going to be, you know, happy land and things are just going, you know? There's seasons where there's seasons where everything you're touching is just gold and ride that season and enjoy that season. But there's seasons where, man, every relationship I got, they just hate me. They're frustrated. They're annoyed at me. And I've been through that. It sucks. And there, there are seasons where you're trying to do ministry and, man, nothing's happening. Like, there are seasons where God has promised you you're going to be at point Z, son. You're still at point A and you haven't progressed. It's like, God, where are you at? And those storms kind of start to come. Discouragement starts to come. Loneliness starts to sneak in. Stay faithful, beloved. Stay faithful. When God gave you that dream, it was a God dream. He who brought that dream inside of you is faithful to see it come. His word never runs. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. He looked at the storm. He started to sink. When you start to look at the size of the mountain and you start to really look at the scripture, and you start to look at the dream God told you. Like, man, this doesn't match up with my current situations. God, you told me I'm going to buy a house. I got my bank account's negative right now. This is not adding up. I make 15K a year, Lord. How is this going to happen? I mean, let's be real. Like, those are the kind of thoughts that go in your mind. God, you told me I'm going to be a boxer. I'm 300 pounds. How's that going to happen? Come on now. That's real, though. Consistency and faithfulness over time overcomes a storm. If you're consistent and faithful to what the Lord has put in front of you, that God-sized dream will become a reality. Don't jump from one thing to the next thing, please. I get it. When you're kind of in that season of life, you kind of need to do that. But I'm talking to the people that really know what is over their life. And if you're jumping, I, please, I'm not trying to come across in shame. I'm really not. So please hear my heart. I'm talking to the people that really know and have a feeling like this is, this is what the Lord's calling me to. Don't jump. Do it. Give everything to it. Stay faithful to that thing. Luke 16, 10. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest in great responsibilities. Again, we've probably, a majority of us have heard that scripture. Such a simple concept, but it's so true. Okay, God, bet. You say I'm going to drop 60 pounds next year. What do I got to do, do right now? I'm not going to go on a 3,000 calorie deficit and just eat 1,000 calories because that's only going to last two days. How can I hit the gym just twice a week? Let's just start there. How can I just say no to, you know, tortillas? Like, come on. Like, like what, what, what do I, ceviche, how can I just be faithful to these little things first? 
before he takes me to that mountain. Guys, I love food, so y'all going to have to hold me accountable. Be faithful with the little. What can I do today? What can I implement right now that's realistic to see that God-sized dream, a reality? What is Jesus saying you need to be faithful to right now? Do I need to be faithful to go to the gym? Do I need to be faithful to just wake up 30 minutes earlier? Do I need to be faithful to serve in areas of church? If God's saying one day you're going to be a minister, you're going to be a pastor, are you serving? That's just real. Come on. Like, if you, like it's just, you don't go from willy-nilly off the street to just pastor one day. Are you serving at the church? For real. Is God saying I need to be faithful just to plan my week? Do I have an outline for what my week looks like next week? Or am I just kind of, you know, floating? Yeah, I might work next week on Thursday. How do you might know? Come on, just like, let's, let's, okay. Let's, you know, let's get a little calendar together. Let's get, and let's just kind of get what do we need to do. And let's just start there. Seriously, someone showed me, so that, that's, that's why I'm coming. I hope I'm not coming in anger. But someone sat me down, and they were like, John, it was Dustin. Showed me his, he, show, he showed me his Google calendar, and I never went back. Now I'm kind of obsessed with it. Some of y'all that know, like, now I'm just kind of obsessed with it. What do I need to be faithful to right now to see that God-sized dream, to see the impossible happen? 1 Corinthians 4 one of my favorite scriptures that one of my spiritual fathers, Roman, in Mexico, drilled in me while I was there. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who've been put in charge of explaining God's mystery. So Paul's explained, hey, me and this guy, Apollos, we're the leaders of this thing. Then he gives the requirement, verse 2. He says, now a person who's in charge must be faithful. I need to be faithful. I just need to be faithful to what God is saying right now. I don't need to be in dreamland, you know, fascinating and not kind of being faithful what's in front of me. What do I need to be faithful in front of me? Does that make sense? Am I losing some of y'all? Is that making sense? Faithfulness withstands the storms. Faithfulness to seek the Lord in the midst of trial. Faithfulness to still have your quiet time, even when you don't feel him. To still worship when you don't feel him, because it's real. There's seasons where you just don't feel him, and it, you feel like the presence is void. And you're, you maybe might have like a little secret sin you're struggling with, low-key. Be faithful, just still seek him. Please, just be faithful. And I say that from personal experience, I still seek him. Even when I don't feel him, I'm still faithful to read my Bible, to get my journaling time in, to seek his face, to get on my knees. This is just a me thing. This is not y'all thing. I'll just still get on my knees even though I don't feel him and I feel dry and I just come in a point of desperation like, God, just meet me. I look at, you know, 
being faithful. We're talking about doing a God-sized dream. And then we're talking about faithfulness accomplishes that God-sized dream. When we're faithful with everything that we can give, even if John's just given 5%, the Lord matches me with 95%. Amen? So I give everything I have unto him, and he matches me with the remaining percent. What does that mean? That, that doesn't mean I'm just kind of sitting still, that I'm a parked car. That means that I, I, I just go. And Lord, I step, I step in obedience, and I step in this path that I don't even know where I'm going. Does that sound familiar? I don't even know where I'm going, but you direct me to a place. Abraham, Hebrews 11. It was by faith, Hebrews 11, 8, for y'all taking notes. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home, to go to another land that God would give him as in his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Similar concept. Abraham was given this God-sized dream. Abraham, you're going to be the descendants as numerous as the stars. I want you to leave everything, drop everything, go. Abraham didn't even know where he was going. But the Lord was faithful to meet him. You give what you have in obedience and faithfulness. And the Lord matches you. He's so great. He's so great where he matches you with the rest. Where you're just like, man, all right, Lord, you're saying do missions. I'm going to go do missions. Then one day you just came up out of nowhere. And it's like, how did this happen? It was God. Like, all right, Lord, I might take an additional one or two classes. You know, I'm going to work and I'm going to take an additional one or two classes. Then one day you're a freaking doctor. How did this happen? It was God. It was God. You did what you could. The Lord met you with the rest. He made the mountain move. He split the seas. He made what was impossible possible. This is for you, beloved. This is for you individually and as a spiritual family. Because I believe God wants to make the impossible happen with our spiritual family here at Gatekeepers, within our young adults ministry. Prayer, point three, last point. Prayer and intercession are keys to a mountain moving. Someone say amen. amen. Prayer and intercession are the secret sauce to seeing that mountain move. When you're at the point where, Lord, I'm giving my 5%, I'm giving what you asked me to do, I'm giving my obedience. I'm going to a place I don't even know where I'm going, and you're still not coming through. Where are you at, God? Where are you at? God, you said I was going to be this. I'm not seeing this right now. Prayer and intercession is the secret juice that you need that's going to move that mountain. And the question might come up, if God was the one to give me that dream, to walk on water or move a mountain, why is this hard? Like, why, why, why am I struggling? Why am I not seeing the fruit? Right? That's because that's what we say. We try to use Christian language. Why am I? I'm not seeing the fruit, Lord. Bam, I'm going to bounce to the next thing. Right? And then, you know, we know the, we have the Christian language, so it's like no one questions you. But what if that was actually God's thing for your life? 
And why, if this is really God's dream, if this is something he's planted in me, why do I have to pray? That don't make no sense. If this is God's plan, if this is this thing that he told me he's going to do, he's going to move the mountain, he's going to split the seas, I'm going to walk on water, shouldn't he be the one to do all the work? Because that's what we say, right? It's like, why do I have to pray? God desires to hear your beautiful voice. He desires to hear your pains. He desires to hear your, your ups and your lows, and he desires to hear how your day's going, and he desires to hear everything about you. That's why you pray when the mountain is not moving. He wants to hear your beautiful voice. It's so beautiful to him. It's like a lullaby to him. He wants to hear when you speak to him. So when I'm in the corner in the prayer room and I'm crying and I'm like, Lord, this is not coming. Lord, this is so hard. This, this is actually my prayer life. I'm not that holy. This is actually my prayer life. Lord, this sucks. God, where are you at? I'm on my knees. I'm not praying. I'm, I'm, I, I am praying, but I'm not praying like what you think. I'm like, Lord, this sucks. Where are you at? He wants to hear my voice. He wants to hear me. And the Father, when I'm, when I'm praying like that in desperation and in need, it's like, son, you're so beautiful. Thank you, son, for sharing me this. Let me take the rest. You did what you could, son. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you, daughter, stepping in obedience and blind obedience. Let me take the rest. I was waiting for you to tell me that last week. I've been waiting since day one for you to tell me about that. I'm here. I want to take care of you. I want to see this thing happen. That's why God desires prayer. Jesus wants to be the, he wants to father you through this journey of moving a mountain. He wants to father you through walking on water. Think about Matthew 14. Jesus was on the other side. Peter was looking at him. I bet Jesus was just looking like this. What happened? Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. Then he started to sink. If Peter was locked in in prayer and dialogue with Jesus, he would have kept walked the whole way. When God gives you a dream, and I'm, I'm going to keep hammering this to you because I really hope that you guys get this. I really believe in y'all. Some of y'all have beautiful dreams. Some of you guys in this room are going to be world changers. I don't say that just because it's the nice thing to say. I say that because I, I adore y'all. I love y'all. And I, I truly want to put my actions where my mouth is. Some of you guys are going to be business owners and going to bless the kingdom and see the kingdom advance. Some of y'all are going to be lead pastors and church plant. Some of y'all are going to be missionaries. Some of y'all are going to be pouring in, see a movement, see some type of business, lawyers, doctors, whatever. Fill in the blank. When God gives you a dream, stay faithful and pray. Faithfulness and pray. 
because there, there are moments where that dream just doesn't seem a reality. This scripture, I wanted to encourage you. Oh, I didn't even write the quote. Oh, I think it's Matthew 7. I know it's Matthew 7. Matthew 7. So I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keen on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. In those times of weakness, in those times of desperation, in those times where those storms seem really loud, and the thunder's right next to your face, and you're sinking, and you feel lonely, and you feel like no one believes in you, you feel like you have no support system, you feel like you're alone out here, you feel like no one believes in you, you feel like your family don't believe in you, you feel like your pastor don't even believe in you, you feel like the church is against you, you feel like, man, everything I'm hitting is just not working. Everything. I can't get a break. Nothing's going on. Jesus is saying, if you just keep on asking, if you keep in pursuit, and if you ask me, son, for this dream that I've given you, I will bring it to fruition. I will bring that dream. That dream, please do not kill that dream inside of you. So I believe that for the individuals in this room. But like I said previously, I believe as gatekeepers, Thursday nights, our young adult ministry here at Gate City, I believe God has a God-sized dream for us. He has the impossible for us. So impossible that when I share it, people think I'm crazy. Like, John, you're not being realistic. Yeah, no, I'm a dreamer, man. I'm a visionary. It's just who I am. I believe from this place of night and day worship and prayer, from our young adults from ages 18 to 25-ish, I believe that we are going to be the birthplace of revival, that we are going to be the people at the forefront leading the way for the people. We're going to see massive salvations. We're going to see hundreds of people given to Jesus. We're going to see pastors come on board. We're going to see church planning. We're going to see a movement of Jesus. People are going to get radically saved. We're going to be at the bank depositing your check, and you're going to see the glory falling out. You're going to be at Walmart getting some, some peanut butter, and it's, the glory is just there, and people are slain in the spirit. You're going to be just some, some willy-nilly who just got saved, and you're going to be the next one church planning. We're going to see a radical movement in the Atlanta region, in the Georgia region. But what do we have to do right now? What are we faithful to right now? Because that sounds great. I'm hyped. But the storms come. It's like, man, the storms come. What do we have in store for next year? Next year, we have a variety of things in store that we're trying to launch. Peter will be launching our small groups on Tabernacle of David. He's going to start getting up here and preaching too. And he's just going to start equipping the saints. We're going to have Wednesday classes. So an additional thing to Thursday is Casey will be teaching a class. He said that a couple weeks back, that he'll be teaching a foundational class and what it means to be a Christian. Now, if you guys like are really hungry, like I said earlier, Casey's that dude. You really want to sit under him and just listen and just take notes. I had a season, a couple seasons where I was just taking notes from him. I'm still taking notes from him. I'm like, Casey, how do I do this? We got our campus ministry that's starting again at GGC. We're being faithful to it. 
We have Thursday service. Be faithful to show up. Just come. Bring friends. Invite coworkers. Invite other people. Just be faithful to show up. We got backyard refuge ministries with David that they're just faithfully going to do it. They just had this big event. And we have the Tuesday 4 to 6 intercession set. I want y'all to come. Really come. Start coming to the Tuesdays. Come stay in the front row. We're taking over. Listen. Listen. We're the Joshua generation that steps into the promised land. Billy did not give himself 30 years for us just to wait on him. Billy wants us to be all out. If y'all don't know who Billy is, he's the director, he's the lead pastor. These guys who've led the way, they want us to start stepping into what God is calling us to. So come Tuesdays, if y'all don't know, we have, this place is a prayer room, it's a 24-7 prayer room that's been going on live, unceasing for the past 15 years. We started the prayer meeting 15 years ago, it's still going on right now. On Tuesdays, 4 to 6, all of our spiritual family, we gather and we seek the face of Jesus together and we pray for revival in this region. We pray for revival in this nation. Come, sit in the front row. Let's lead by example. Let's not be the young people that are out there wilding. Let's be the young people that are on fire for Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at gatekeepersatl. We'll see you in the next episode.